After a, you know, maybe we can just chalk it up as pedestrian for us. Uh, pedestrian week four as a unit, we went six and six. Uh, year to date winning percentage, though, is still above 60%. We are currently at 63.16%. Uh, myself and Benjamin both went two and one last week. Nick and Austin both went one and two, but we are all now officially. In the black, every single one of us. Uh, Nick and myself both have seven wins to uh, lead the standings. Ben and Austin both sitting at five wins. So overall, gentlemen, help me with the math here because I studied journalism in college. We are, what, 24 and 14? I think that's where we're at. That pays the bills, gents. Pretty good. Um, We can check the math. Uh, Nick can probably check me here in a second. But we are still at a record-setting clip right now. Um, Had a couple – I don't know. Did anybody have any bad beats last week? I'm trying to look and see. I guess Kentucky was one. Um, it, it was close. Yeah. Kentucky was close. Yeah, um, it was. That's not a bad beat. The better team won. I picked Auburn. That's why I locked oh, them, and they won. All I all I heard was, I, "I'm gonna I'm gonna take Kentucky. We're gonna take Kentucky <laughs> so we can laugh at you." And here I am laughing all the could, way to the bank. Could we could we chalk up Bama Mizzou under fifty six and a half a bad beat? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, can you chalk it up as a bad beat? Are you, that's the very <laughs> definition of a bad beat. I don't know. Missouri. I'm kind of I'm kind of forgetting what a bad beat actually is because I haven't had any. So, um. all right, Missouri with 31 <laughs> seconds left had a fourth and eight at the 50 yard line converted. Okay, they drive down the field and they call multi, they call a timeout on third and one. Don't get it. Call another timeout with four seconds to go in the game on fourth and one at the Alabama five yard line, and they run a clear out quarterback draw design keeper, and he walks into the end zone as time expires in a, in a thirty point game. That's a coach who knows his boosters have the over. Is what that is. That he must have, man. And I mean, talk about cutting it close. It was. I, I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I wanted someone to cheap shot the quarterback so like into the next <laughs> county. That's so when. Mad. That's one to remember too for next year if Bama plays Mizzou because oh Saban boy. will no doubt remember that. Oh. Yeah, but I was beat him say, by I, ninety. I wasn't. I, I I wasn't there. Um, obviously, but I I, I wish <laughs> they had a camera. I wish they had a camera on Nick Saban at the at that last play because you know that he was just absolutely beside himself. Just um, GDing it up. I mean, uh, I was. I mean, really, especially the way they scored too, with like the QB uh, run. And it's just, a little it just bit like touched. Yeah, it was a little bit like the bind to break up the no hitter. You know, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, it, it, um, it was so cheap. Oh, I don't. We, let's move on. Yeah, I guess here's another one. Ben had a had a tough one on on Friday when uh, UT San Antonio let Middle Tennessee creep back in it. We forgot about that one because it was on Friday. Uh, the Blue Raiders showed some fight late in that one. Had a chance. Uh, two receivers ran into each other on a two-point conversion that would have made it very interesting and uh, didn't get it. Um, but, yeah, Iowa State TCU under didn't hit. West Virginia didn't cover. And then uh, my lone loss for the week, Texas, Texas Tech, and probably the most entertaining game of the weekend uh, went into overtime. So that was interesting. Um 
storyline to uh, keep in mind as we turn the page to week five. We'll talk TCU and Texas here in a little bit, but let's jump into some SEC lines for the week. We have first up Missouri at Tennessee. Tennessee minus 11 and a half here. The over under is 48 and a half. How are we feeling about the Tigers getting off the snide after taking one to the chin against Bama and Tennessee coming off an impressive road win in Columbia, South Carolina? Ben, what are we thinking? You know, is this one of those where Alabama beat you twice? They kind of beat you down, and then you um, you you can't get back off the get get back off the mat and cover the spread the next week. You know, um, or is this where Tennessee kind of has a little bit of a, they're feeling themselves coming off of a good road win at South Carolina? Um, to me, I just think Tennessee covers this game or this spread because. Frankly, I just didn't see a lot out of Missouri last week that would that would tell me otherwise. I, I think that um, I think Tennessee, you know, wins this by two or three touchdowns. It's one of those games, and this is a year where um, uh, I, I fully believe that you know every college football coach wants to win every game as big as possible. But I also have, and y'all have heard me preach this a million times. I believe certain coaches are at points in their careers or at points in their, I guess, in their program where they really need to flex their muscle and, and try and run the score up on as many bad teams as possible. And I think Tennessee is there right now because of that. I don't think they take their foot off the gas the entire game. And I think they win seven by 17, 21 ish. Okay. I'm with you there, Austin. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know what to make of Mizzou after last week. I, I can't really hold a Bama loss against them. We sort of expected um, Bama to do exactly what they did. I'll say that their their transfer quarterback didn't actually look bad at all. I think he had a higher completion percentage and threw for more yards than Garantano. I think that's right. Um, and that's really where Tennessee is still susceptible is at the quarterback position. They, they've got athletes up and down the roster. Pruitt has recruited well, but but – I think Mizzou might have the better quarterback. 11 and a half is a lot to lay, especially when I saw South Carolina sort of hang around with Tennessee last weekend. I don't love it, but if I if I had to bet it, I think I'd take the points with Mizzou and, uh, and tell Tennessee to prove me wrong. If they can beat you by 14, uh, then so be it. Yeah, I wasn't in love with, with what I saw from Tennessee last week. And, and, I mean, you mentioned what can you take from – the Missouri game against Alabama, I don't think you take anything from it. I mean, I, I, the only thing I could have taken from last week, Missouri, is had they played Alabama really close or beaten them. But, I mean, teams, good teams lose to Bama by 40 points. Missouri, you know, they stayed within 40, I suppose. I, I don't think that necessarily Missouri is going to beat Tennessee, but – I don't know, but this, when the spread's low, like excuse me, when the over under's low like that at forty eight and a half, and you're getting eleven points, I mean they're looking at what a a twenty eight seventeen game, a, a thirty to eighteen game. So I'd, I'd take those points just because I think this one's going to be sort of a slug a slog. Excuse me. Yeah, this one's probably going to be gross. I uh, I think that Tennessee still doesn't look great offensively. And I wasn't thoroughly impressed at all with them last weekend. I thought South Carolina had a shot to uh, make that a game at the end. Uh, 
unfortunately, uh, one person didn't hear didn't hear uh, them yelling. Peter, ball went off his leg, and uh, that was all she wrote. But yeah, Jarrett Guarantano is still not great, um, and I think Sean Robinson's going to be serviceable enough uh, for Missouri to kind of hang around. Larry Roundtree is still there. That guy has been in Columbia, Missouri, for like seven years. It feels like, uh, and they and they've got some talent. Uh, at the receiver position to challenge a Tennessee defense that is coming off a year where they were top 10 SP plus defense and they're very, very talented. Jeremy Pruitt is recruited well, but I like the combination of Jalen Knox, Tyler Beatty. Um, Damon Hazleton had a good game last weekend against Alabama, had five catches for 34 yards. Uh, Dominique Jacinto had three catches for 44. So they can, they can get up and down the field if you'll let them. Uh, a name that uh, Ole Miss uh, fans that follow recruiting might remember, uh, Chris Abrams-Drain, who committed to Ole Miss at one time. Uh, he is now at Missouri, so he's uh, he's on the roster. But I, uh, I tend to lean. I feel like this has the potential of a backdoor cover here for Missouri. I think uh, they can kind of – hang around long enough in this game. Uh, I just got a weird feeling. I'm going to take the points here. Again, I don't think Guarantano and what uh, Jim Chaney do on offense is going to be anything special. And as we've talked about in our preview show, Missouri just always seems to have a pretty good, um, a decent to pretty good defense. So I'm, I'm going to take the points here. And uh, I think Missouri covers the 11 and a half there. All right. Other game at 11 o'clock. South Carolina travels to Gainesville. Uh, Florida obviously put up uh, quite a few points and put on a show with uh, Nick. You, you probably will appreciate this shout out. Uh, Ty Hildebrandt and uh, Dan Rubenstein of the Solid Verbal have nicknamed Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts the Kyle Driver. And uh, that was quite the combination. Ole Miss could not stop it. I, I, I stand firm here. I think Kyle Pitts is going to do that to just about everybody this season. He's a complete nightmare mismatch. We talked about it in our recap show. I just think that no one is going to be able to cover him. One could argue that maybe one Otis Reese could have uh, locked him down and maybe at least cut his receiving yards in half, but that's a story for another day. With all that said, uh, Florida minus 18 and a half here. The over-under is sitting at, I believe, 57 and a half. Yes, 57 and a half. Um, I'll just go ahead and get it out of the way. I, I really don't know what to think about South Carolina. I Weird to not see Brian Helensky at quarterback. I don't even know the dude's name, but I just started calling him Food Line Steven Garcia. Um, he was he was okay against a pretty good Tennessee defense in week one. I just don't know if they're going to be able to compete. I think Florida's a legit college football playoff contender. I think they're a legitimate SEC East champion waiting to happen. I think Florida rolls here. I'm laying the points. Yeah, I, I do too. I actually think Florida wins this game extremely big. South Carolina, uh, they they had very little success running the ball in Tennessee. I think it's going to be even worse against Florida. Florida's front seven is good. Their defensive backs are good. South Carolina had some pretty good numbers against Tennessee, but Tennessee is not Florida. Um, Kyle Pitts is, is one of the better SEC players players i've seen play in oxford and 
I don't want to get out of get get out of hand here, but he just feels like an all time NFL great. Like he has that shock factor. You know, you know, and Ben, I, not, not to cut you off, you know what he reminds me of? He looks like what everybody thought OJ Howard was going to be. That's right. That's a great that is a great comparison. I I think Florida is really good. I think Florida is exceptionally good. I matter of fact, I, we talked about this on the last show. I thought Ole Miss played about well, and I hope that it's not. But I hope I thought Ole Miss played about as flawless on offense as possible. Florida took every bounce, got every bounce, and but Ole Miss never let them up for air, even when Ole Miss was down three touchdowns. I, to me, um, I, I just Florida continually just kept pushing out and pushing out and pushing out and, and, uh, holding the lead. I, I think they blow South Carolina out. I, I'm talking, I think this game is 45 to 10. Like, I, I think they're going to go back to Florida and, and Ben Hill Griffin stadium and absolutely annihilate the Gamecocks. My only concern is that I think, and maybe not, maybe I'm overrating Ole Miss here, but I, I'm, I'm, Curious to see whether Florida had kind of an eye on the Ole Miss game because of, you know, Dan Mullen being at, at Mississippi State for so long. No. Because no. – No. No, not just that, but, but because it was Lane Kiffin, because it was a, a, a new coach, and now no. they're playing a team that they I'm face. Not, I'm kidding. Well, that, that now it's a team they face every single year, a team that they definitely should beat more handily. I mean, just look at the spread there, uh, and, and that's, you know – I think if if the Ole Miss if they're playing if Ole Miss had looked good against you know random Team X last week and was playing Florida this week the spread wouldn't be fourteen it'd probably be like eight or ten so I, I definitely think that that it was a tougher game last week and I'm curious to see whether Florida comes in and says and I don't know who they play who they play after South Carolina but I'm curious to see if they come in and say hey like we just beat Ole Miss we kind of have a slower week this week we're gonna dial it back. I mean, there's there's no point. I mean, you can't beat every team by forty, and I mean, I, I'm I'll, I'll be interested to see if they just beat South Carolina. You know, I don't know, thirty one. I guess thirty one to ten would cover, but something like that, sort of a a lower scoring game, just because they they've dialed it back a little bit. And I I don't think South Carolina covers. I I think that on Monday we'll be talking about well, Florida didn't look quite as good in week two. I, I think we'll say that. I, I think I think. That can be true, and 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 Ben's point could be true as well, though. So I think it's possible that Florida looks um, a little sluggish, maybe doesn't take South Carolina as seriously as they could, and yet they still cover because I don't think South Carolina's offense is nearly as explosive as Ole Miss's offense is. So as Ben said, the game sort of got away from the Rebs in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, but it, it almost felt like at any point, if a ba- if we ever got a bounce to go our way or an interception or a fumble recovery or anything, we could have been right back in the game within striking distance. It just felt that way. They they couldn't really stop us downfield. We sort of stopped ourselves. Now, obviously, we couldn't stop them either, and um, you know, we watched four hours of a Kyle Trask highlight reel, but um, 
I, I don't know. The, the number feels big to me. And I looked. It's the largest line in this game since 2008. So South Carolina, Florida has typically been lined much closer than this and even through some, you know, some tough years for both teams, particularly South Carolina of late in the series. But I, there's also the must-champ revenge angle here. You know he's going to be up for this. Now, does that translate to, to – any results on the field for his players and his team i don't know maybe not and the way they lost the tennessee game was a kick in the nuts too so i don't know if they get off the mat um right out of the gate week two you sort of stumbled in week one who knows this is a complete stay away from me would it surprise me if florida cruises by three touchdowns absolutely not trash could get loose um um Tony, the receiving core. Somebody else mentioned, I can't remember who it was. This does feel like some of Mullen's vintage Mississippi State teams, except with blue chip players and not, you know, two and three stars. Um, so they can stretch you horizontally, vertically. Mullen can open the full playbook. He can do a lot. But it does feel like a lot of points. I, I, it's a complete stay away. Now, I did mention O.J. Howard and how big he was and how physical he was in the open field, and he really didn't do anything at Alabama until that national title game. Another name that uh, our good buddy Justin Kemp threw out that uh, is high praise, regardless of what happened off the field, but on the field, you could probably say Kyle Pitts looks a lot like another former Florida tight end, uh, Aaron Hernandez. I mean, just a complete... Complete mismatch. That came on the other day. I mean, yeah. he he runs like a receiver. He is physical. I mean, the straight arm that he put on Jock Jones at the fifty to just race. I believe it was an eighty-yard touchdown pass. I mean, that was just impressive. I mean, that's just kind of one of those where you're just kind of tip your cap, and it's just Jimmy he, Joe's. He is such a specimen of a of a human that I mean, as far as non-quarterback players. He's one of the very best I've ever seen at his particular position. Like Patrick Willis felt that way at linebacker. Leonard Fournette a little bit at running back in co- in college. Yeah. But Robert Kandichi when he wanted to be. Yeah. I mean, this guy is just like an absolute animal. He is. Yeah. Hey, and now, Austin, I, back to that, to, to your point. Sorry, Zach, quickly. It's not only did Ole Miss not get a bounce. It's that – any it the game didn't play at a neutral bounce period like no, there no. was florida got several breaks and but that, i think that was more my point of praising old miss and playing that much better than i thought because i think florida i mean i think they cruised and played good for florida and i think old miss played exceptional uh anyway go ahead zach well i was gonna throw in austin was talking about a stay away here uh just to put a little bug in your ear about that if you're thinking about staying away i i I made fun of him his name is colin hill Uh, i kind of like food line steven garcia Uh, he threw for 290 and a touchdown and then shy smith had a career day Uh, they're trying to replace brian edwards at receiver brian edwards now in the uh, national football league shy smith had 10 catches for 140 yards and a touchdown Uh, that'll that'll do Um, that's pretty good the thing that I think is going to crush South Carolina this year because they're trying to replace uh, Rico Dowdle in the backfield, Marshawn Lloyd, the uh, former five-star out of uh, Maryland, number 33 player in the country, suffered. At, th- these are just the fucking worst. When I hear these coming out of <laughs> out of 
you know, training camp. I mean, it's just a non-contact ACL tear is just awful. Mm-hmm. Um, he was expected to – I think he was expected to start. I, I, he was going to be heavily involved in the offense, but he is another – you know, dare I say, Marshawn Lattimore type running back at South Carolina that's going to be a stud. Um, so he is not there. So they're having to piecemeal their run game. But the the Colin Hill kid threw it around the yard. Shy Smith had a big day. So maybe if you're wanting to stay away, there's maybe a, a little tip there. Um, maybe they put up some points this weekend against Florida and maybe backdoor it. And as we know, Will Muschamp always plays Florida well, and uh, Dan Mullen does like to play with his food, so who knows. All right, moving on. At 2.30, I believe this is the CBS game. The Texas A&M Aggies travel to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. Alabama minus 17. Again, I'll make it quick. I think Alabama covers here with ease. I think that Steve Sarkeesian is going to really let Mac Jones throw it around the yard. I think Nick Saban is going to want to put it on Jimbo. He's still undefeated against former assistants. And Kellen Mond has just gotten worse every year he's been in College Station. We were just talking about Marshawn Lloyd, the former five-star. Kellen Mond was a five-star. He was, I think he was a top-five player in the country. And he has just not really done much of anything. I mean, I would probably go as far to say he's a bust. Um, you, you want to talk about playing with your food. A&M took their plate and just threw it on the floor. Um, <laughs> last week and just absolutely looked abysmal against Vandy. I don't think A&M has got much to, sh- to shake a stick at. I, I think I think Alabama rolls. And I mean rolls big. Um, I'll go quick, Nick, because you, you might even be, you know, you might have more to say than me. A&M, I'm not going to bite here. A&M beat Vanderbilt by five points. I, I just can't. I'm not. I, I want to tell quick, y'all that quick, someone is being name undervalued. a player. Yeah, I want to say that a And M is being <laughs> undervalued here, and that this is Vegas. You know, I guess making this a sucker bet. I, I can't do it. I, I'm not going to do it. A And M beat Vanderbilt five points. Alabama big. I tell Zach. You know, this is while Vanderbilt only had 255 total yards against A and M. It's not A and M's defense I'm worried about. It's the fact that they're not going to be able to score on or score as much as Alabama. And I think that even if even if A and M were to to roll up, I don't know, 17 or 21 points, they're not going to hold Alabama to less than 42. So uh, give me the tie. Yeah, uh, there's two types of, of of Alabama early season win in their first. Um, sort of tests. I don't know if y'all, you guys remember a few years ago, everyone, I think Vanderbilt started 3-0, and everyone made the big, big mistake of talking about Oh, Vanderbilt. gosh. Could they play? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> it was like 58-3 to at the end of three quarters. Uh, something like that. I mean, it was absolute beat down. Everyone uh, you know, was very sorry that they ever did that. There's also the 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 type of game that Alabama plays where they kind of play with their food. You talk about tossing your food on the floor. Alabama just is not hungry. They just, they just don't, they don't eat anything. And then they go out and beat a team, you know, 31 to 31 to 13 or something like that. And it was a, a late score that kind of flattered them and made it, made it be an 18 point game. I, that's not going to happen this week that they're, this is, this is that game where 
Vanderbilt talked a little too much trash. Texas A&M talked a little too much trash in the offseason about, you know, kind of early season big game. And, and you know, Texas A&M was a top 10 team uh, at, at, at times earlier in the season when we didn't have the Big Ten in the rankings. And everyone was talking a little bit too much about the Aggies. Saban's not going to let this one go by the wayside. This one's going to be ugly. Yeah, I agree. And I'll just add a couple of other angles to consider here. A&M was hit hard with opt-outs due to COVID, and they just lost another guy, I think, today. They had a starting corner opt-out. So I think they're down six or seven guys um, already in the young season. Uh, And they looked like that against Vandy. I mean, they looked ill-prepared. They looked listless, lazy. Jimbo looked disorganized. It was a really bad showing. Vandy is a bad team. I, you you might be able to say that A&M was looking ahead to next week against Bama. I just don't know that I buy that. Um, there was poor execution. Mind looked like mine. There's been almost no improvement there. Um, the other thing is Jimbo calls plays, runs offense like it's 1998. You know how many plays they ran against Vandy? You want to guess? 55 plays, oh, 55 plays. So in an era where coaches realize, look, if I have the talent advantage, I want to maximize the amount of plays that I run in order to actually capitalize on that advantage. Jimbo Fisher is running 55 plays versus Vandy. Uh, <laughs> what does that look like against Alabama? This is I, not going to be close. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. It's not. Y'all are convincing me to just bet the farm on it. Yeah, I, I, I can't see. I can't look. We already touched on Mizzou briefly with the uh, bad beat, but the only reason Mizzou didn't just get slaughtered is because they even pulled the starters in like the third quarter, early third quarter. Uh, had they kept their foot on the pedal, Bama p- could put up fifty-five or sixty on Mizzou. And he'll do that. Get, on, he'll do that to Jimbo. Exactly. You, you read my mind. I think they get into the low to mid 40s. I don't think Saban lets off the gas until Jimbo's demoralized. I can't see how A&M keeps pace. Uh, I think Alabama rolls. Uh, yeah, I mm. – again, Jimbo's just every two weeks watching that direct deposit. I don't blame him. Yeah, he, he probably he probably has an alarm when it when it goes through and he checks that. The only thing that A&M out. has is money. That's all they have is money. Overalls, like that's it. Uh, weird well, how much chance. does Jimbo make? He's guaranteed seventy-five million. So over ten years, seven point five million. All right, go ahead. as you were. Continue. It's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot of Lucchese boots. A lot. <laughs> it's, over, <laughs> it's over five hundred thousand a month. Do you man. think Jimbo so. buys blue deltas and then paints them? <laughs> paints in them. <laughs> paints in them. Uh, well, right. yeah, yeah, we had we played a pretty good game tonight. You know, my quarterback he was pretty good, and then we uh we uh you know I t- I tried to tell Jameis all you got to do is throw it throw it over there to the left side, you know. But we dropped the ball. That's it, what it is. But the player's quite good. Just a reminder too, from a Vandy standpoint, which we can revisit this when we're talking LSU Vandy. Vandy's QB. Do you know this is only the third true freshman to start an SEC game in SEC history? Wow, at quarterback. Shea Patterson was the other one. I, I can't even. I, I I, Manziel so. was a red shirt, so maybe yeah. Shea Patterson and and I don't even know who the Ken third one was. But Seals. Wow. Really? Is that right? That was my he completed guess. twenty passes for one hundred and fifty yards. <laughs> I, I'm telling you though, that and I guess this goes into the state, Vandy. Hey, go ahead, Zach, because I've got thoughts on that too. 
Oh, no, I was just going to make a joke about Jimbo and, you know, is too is you know maybe maybe his uh he's got the money if like his if his boys want to be instagram influencers he can buy him a bunch of followers and maybe that's what he's uh, so, focusing on right now so if jimbo's paid weekly and he earns 60 <laughs> percent if if taxes are if taxes are 40 percent which i don't know the tax goes in the state in the state of texas let's just call it 40 percent it sounds nice Every week, his direct deposit. Now, again, he's not paid weekly. He's paid every two weeks. And there's only 12 games a year. But he would make every week $86,538. Now, you could just make more money every if you week. just – I mean, apparently, all you just pay $750, and, that, and then you're good. Yeah. That's, just, that's all you got to pay on taxes, apparently. Um, yeah, this one's just not gonna. So we're in complete agreement on this across the board. Bam is rolling, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. It's in Tuscaloosa too, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, we're done here. Yeah. Okay. Moving along. Six thirty. LSU at Vandy. LSU minus twenty and a half here. Over under forty eight and a half. If you're if you're wanting to gamble here, I think the easy pick here is going to be the over. Uh, I still think LSU covers. I yeah. Vandy put up a fight last week against A and M. I just think that that was just a week one COVID shortened season anomaly. I think LSU is going to just out athlete and just out Jimmy the Joe here and uh, cover. But I do like the over at uh, over forty eight and a half. So I'll. I'll be quick here too. I actually think that I think LSU is going to get exposed all year. I I think they are. Um, I think this might be proof. The, this line might hint at how bad Vanderbilt actually is. But I don't think LSU looked that good last week. I think they're not good at quarterback. They're bad on the offensive line. If I remember hearing correctly, Leach said they ran like four or five plays the entire game. Like, let's not make no mistake. Mississippi State played well, but Mississippi State doesn't have the players that LSU did. Or, that looked like an Ed Orgeron coach team. They were unprepared. It looked like an Ed Orgeron coach team that did not have Joe Brady or Joe Burrow I, or Dave Aranda. I, I just – I don't see it at all. I, I think that Vandy can keep it within 20. I don't think that Vandy's going to come close to winning. Now, Zach, the only fear I have, and this is where you – your prediction is right is that um lsu just you know puts their foot on bandy's throat and tries to prove a point after losing at home to state last week otherwise i think bandy can keep this and i don't know 31 to 13 31 17 stay away game for me but but i'll take the points at home i don't know that I, you, this is like an old adage. We mentioned it on the last podcast, but the LSU is recruiting a different caliber of player on their first they are. and second string that, that Vanderbilt has. But I, I just don't know that Vanderbilt – I mean, I don't know that LSU's got it in them to go beat the crap out of somebody. I mean, Vanderbilt last week showed uh, – say what you want about Kellen Mond, but Vanderbilt's offense also was – excuse me, defense also was decent. Um, they're, they're, they're most of the time going to be well-coached. Uh, I'm not positive that I can say that about LSU um, offensively. I'm positive I cannot. 
I'm positive yeah. LSU will not be well coached. I just, but. I mean, Bo Pelini, you know, he, he got fired at Youngstown State. I mean, or I guess he got, they, they mutually parted ways, whatever it was. He wasn't super successful there. The last time he was a successful defensive coordinator would have been in what, 2002, 2003. Um, I just haven't seen it in a long time from him. I didn't see it last week at all. Not that Vanderbilt has anyone who can exploit, you know, a mismatch or anything like that. But I just think, I think you're going to see a lot of ugly games this year from LSU. And I think Vanderbilt's the ugliest team in the SEC. You're probably going to see that again this week. So I heard a handicapper this week on a different podcast say that he would make last year's LSU team a 29-point favorite over this year's <laughs> LSU team. I believe um, that. I believe that. that. Right. Yeah. That is a – yeah, that's a shitload of points. But, yeah, I, after last week, I absolutely believe it. Look, I'm not – we're not going to talk X's and O's on this pod, but the, the fact is – People have figured out a way to stop Mike Leach's offense in the past. It's not a mystery. Yes, he's innovative, and yes, he's a great coach. But Pelini and Orgeron just allowed Leach to do whatever he wanted to do and refused to get out of man coverage to stop the mesh concept underneath. Are they going to learn from that going forward? I don't know. Vanderbilt certainly can't exploit it either way, so I'm not suggesting that Vandy's going to win or, or even cover here. But I think going forward, it's just something to watch with LSU. Is the coaching staff going to make adjustments? Are they going to abandon sort of their stubborn ways? And here's the other thing. From a morale standpoint, do you all trust Eddie, o- Eddie Orgeron to put the train back on the tracks, like to rally the troops? I don't. In fact, he's already – so this is what he told Scott Rabelais earlier this week. Quote, it puts some fire in me. I guarantee you that. I may have to take my mask off more and do some yelling. I felt muzzled. Okay. So this week, we probably had a Wild Boys incident in the locker room, almost certainly. Um, I don't they know ran Oklahoma miles. drills all week. You know they did. You know the punters were like getting in there in the trenches. Bull in the ring. Bloody yeah. noses. I mean, guys were fighting. You know it happened. I don't know how the team reacts to that after winning a national championship and then going to Nashville, you know, the next the next week after you lose to Mississippi State in your home opener. I don't know. I mean, again, this is not a case for Vandy. I just would stay the hell away from LSU for a while until we have any reason to believe they're going to have a pulse. Well, and here's another thing. I always think if you're a three-touchdown favorite, and this is virtually that, on the road in the SEC, your quarterback better be pretty damn good. And, yeah. and LSU is – not they do not have an SEC quarterback on the roster. If they did, Miles Brennan wouldn't be starting. No offense to him. I mean, that that's that's just frankly how it how it goes. And and it's so funny that you said that about the the Wild Boys incident because I thought about what their practice was probably like all week, and I really think that it would Ed Orgeron could very quickly revert back to 2006 Ed Orgeron, you know, do having a full practice before. Ole Miss Wake Forest. Like I okay. could see him, I could see him making LSU take the bus to Nashville just so his players know how bad they, you know, he felt about them, you know, losing the state. Another thing, I, I would compare this to them to as much as possible, maybe even skipping the year in between. So 2010, Auburn won the national title with Cam Newton, best college football player I've ever seen in person, or let's call it top three college football player I've ever seen in person. Just great player. In 2012, they went three and nine. So skip the 2011 year here for LSU. They went Joe Burrow national title, and now they're about to. I'm telling you, they look like a three and seven team this year. They do. 
That team, Nick texted us during the game and said, if we played them right now, we would beat them 40 points watching them. Oh, man, I wish we played them right now. And here's the thing. LSU recruits a different player than Vandy, but Vandy's guys are at least going to be standing in the right place. It's really hard to hit an open receiver when he's not running the right route. Yeah, I just my thing is as much as I agree with everything you're saying about, I think that this is the year that LSU like we we joked about it earlier this week. We're like we're like oh Ed Orgeron's just going to get Gene Chizik, like he is going to win a title and then just crash and burn, and then they're going to fire him. This to me though is going to be a game where somebody like John Emery runs for like 190 and just torches Vandy, and they just waltz to a big win or. Terrace Marshall has a big game. Uh, I mean, Miles Brennan, now State's not a great defense, and neither is Vandy, but, I mean, he still threw for a ton of yards um, in that shootout. So, and honestly, Zach, that would be that would be probably a more successful approach if they reverted back to the less Miles caveman style of football and let Miles yeah. Brennan hand the ball off twice and then run some play action. They might be more successful, but I don't know if they can change course midstream. Well, that's and that's a great point, Austin. Because yeah, I mean, just play to your strengths and try to shorten the game. Because Miles Brennan is not going to beat a legitimate defense by himself. You you know that they've recruited well at running back. So just do that. And that's I don't know. Maybe we figured it out for Ed Ordron. Hopefully, he doesn't listen to our podcast. But you're um, welcome, Ed. Yeah. So. I think that he wouldn't know if he did. (laughs) Yeah. what is it? He wouldn't know a suburb unless he took a wrong turn. Listen, listen, this is, <laughs> I've got, I've got to say this too while I'm thinking about it. It was so cute. How everybody talked about how oh, Ed Orgeron back in, back on the bayou, you know, the lovable Ed Orgeron there at his home state, winning the national title, man, that got so tired and that is going to be so exposed now it is oh yeah yep it's okay because he talks funny um (laughs) all right we got a couple more we need to run through but before we do that we're going to take our break hear from our sponsors and when we come back we'll break down the rest of the sec we'll break down Ole miss kentucky give our pick there and then give you our lock so hang tight we'll be right back Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 
11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend. And then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say... Ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we are back here, Legal Gambling Council Podcast Rebellion. All right, jumping into our next game. This is probably the biggest one of the day. Auburn traveling to Athens to take on Georgia. I got Georgia minus six and a half here. The over-under is 45. I think this one's just going to be an absolute war, just going to be just a rock fight. I got the Auburn Tigers covering the six and a half. Georgia's got to figure out their quarterback situation. Dewan Mathis wasn't the answer last week against uh vandy and uh, jt daniels is cleared finally his his knee i guess checked out um i think that they are ready to see what he can do at quarterback but hasn't played a game yet hasn't played a game since he was in los angeles before he hurt his knee how's that going to be 
against a really, really, really tough, stingy Auburn defense. Kevin Steele continues to put on a clinic on being a D.C. in the SEC. I like Auburn here. I think Bo Nix will make a couple plays. Seth Williams looked like a freak last week at receiver. I think Auburn covers here. I'm almost almost close to picking them to win outright, but I think that they can definitely cover. Uh, Georgia's defense is damn good, so that might make things interesting, but I like the Tigers here to cover the six and a half. I, I agree. I'll, I'll be quick. I like I like Auburn to cover. Georgia averaged less than three yards per carry against Arkansas, and y'all know how I feel about the Razorbacks this year. Just a just a absolute untalented, terrible team, and and Georgia while while they won thirty seven to ten, the game was far closer than that. They pulled away late. I think they scored thirty two of the thirty seven in the second half. So um, I, I did not. I was unimpressed with Georgia. Holy, uh, I mean, they would they run for 120 yards against Arkansas. Auburn is going to have better players on defense than Arkansas. I think Auburn covers. I, I think Auburn probably wins outright. Zach, I'm with you there. I'm not going to pick that, but I'll take the points. Lock it in for me. I'm taking the points. Uh-oh. Auburn plus six and a half. The fact that y'all are both on it scares me a little bit, not because you guys aren't decent with picks, but because, you know, when, when everyone's on the same side, <laughs> that that's what scares me. And Jesus uh, Auburn, I, whatever <laughs> we saw from, was it Stetson Bennett? I, I don't even know his name. Yes, Stetson matter. Bennett, CPA, yes. An incredible, yes. an incredible <laughs> UGA quarterback. He's not playing, I was going to say he's not playing quarterback at Georgia, then he's playing it at SMU. Yeah, it's like, Stetson Bennett sat behind me in principal. He just County. he just graduated. <laughs> he just graduated Q school. He just le- yeah, yeah, he just left SMU. That guy, that guy's trying. No, he is absolutely. I, I mean, like you said, they got to figure out the quarterback situation. Maybe he is, is is incredible and will be the starter all season long. But they brought in two transfers. Uh, imagine that a team brought in two quarterback transfers in one off season because they didn't like what they had on on, on campus. And then he was behind the guy on campus. So if, if, if Newman was there and if, if JT Daniel were there, which I guess he, he probably is now, he would have been the fourth stringer most likely. I just think that's not going to do it every week. You're not getting a ton of points by having, you know, Georgia at home. You're, you're basically getting one point maximum. I think it's going to be a slow game. You look at the over-unders in the 40s. Uh, if this line ever gets seven, you definitely want to lock it in. I, don't think it's going that direction. It looks like you're actually getting at minus 115 at six and a half at some of the books. So if anything, it's probably going to head towards six. Either way, I'll take it at six and a half. This is like a 16-13 type game, and I think Auburn probably wins outright before they lose the spread. So lock it in for me, six and a half. Yeah, I, I have no idea what to do with this one. Uh, let me say at the outset, like hat, hat tip to Ben on his call last week in Auburn versus Kentucky. The Auburn definitely was the better team, although it, the game was probably closer than the final score indicated. So I don't know how much stock to put in Bo Nix and Morris in their receiving core, but I, I do think they were better than I gave them credit for, particularly at the skill positions. Um, we all saw Georgia struggle against Arkansas. Uh, no matter what quarterback they had in, they looked bad. And look, this is not a cheap shot. It's just the truth. Their offensive line didn't look good either. And as you 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 might recall, they have a new offensive line coach um, that we're all familiar with. It's near and dear to our hearts. Um, 
they didn't look good. In fact, they sucked against a pretty poor Arkansas defense. <laughs> so, I, like, I don't know what they do against all this front. I don't know how they move the ball. Now, again, Georgia's defense is probably the best in the country, and Auburn hasn't cracked 14, hasn't gone over 14 points in the last three meetings against Georgia. I don't think they're going to go over 14 this week either, this year either. But, you know, 14 might be enough. Uh I don't know how Georgia moves the ball either. This is going to be a rock fight. I think one of you already said that. It's going to be an ugly game to watch. The under, I think, has a little bit of value, although, you know, it's pretty sharp. But I think in such a low-scoring or what we expect to be a low-scoring game with a quarterback that – I think Bo Nix is a better quarterback in the game. Maybe JT Daniels comes out and impresses. But I think you have to take the points. So, Nick, it's a stay away from me, but I, I lean Auburn in the points. I know that's not good for you since now there's a consensus among all four of us, but um, I just don't know how you could lay almost a touchdown with Georgia at this point. All right. Our last SEC game that we are going to touch on before we talk Ole Miss Kentucky, uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks traveling to Starkville, Mississippi State's home opener after upsetting LSU on the road last week in a big firework display that Mike Leach and K.J. Costello put on. The Bulldogs minus 18 here over the Razorbacks. The over-under is 69.5. That could be a play to go under there because I don't know if Arkansas is going to be able to put up enough points to get you over that number. I still like the Bulldogs here to cover 18. I don't think Arkansas is worth a shit, if we're just being frank. Um, And have... Pun intended there, because Felipe Franks is the quarterback, and he's not very good. Uh, Arkansas is, I mean, just a complete rebuild. I mean, I'm talking three to four years to completely rehaul everything. I don't even think Sam Pittman's going to be there that long. They are very bad, and I think Mike Leach is the kind of coach that is just not going to worry about who's on the other side. He is just going to score and score and score and score. Um, I think KJ Costello probably not going to have the same kind of week he had last week yards wise but i think that they're going to pound arkansas through the air the air raid is is just going to be on full display because i just think that that scheme is just not going to match up well for arkansas's defense and their defensive backs so i like the bulldogs here laying the points yeah i I won't add much to that i mean this game is is not if there's a list of games you're watching the SEC this week, this one's almost definitely coming in seventh. I think that the LSU Vanderbilt game is more exciting because the possibility that Vanderbilt just, just I mean, the LSU lays an egg. I don't think that, I, I mean, I, I think Leach kind of eats on, on bad defenses and bad teams. He's going to do that against Arkansas. I don't think you're going to see Arkansas. I think they kind of came out spirited last week against Georgia, kind of gave them their best because they'd heard all offseason how bad they were. They're probably going to face a letdown this week because of how kind of well they played in the first three quarters and how bad the score ended. I don't think this one's going to be close. And again, you don't waste your time watching this one. Play the points, um, Nick. I, I'll tell what you just said. Leeds eats on on bad teams, and and he's going to do that this this week. And um, I also think that. Um, I think that Arkansas is is getting some overvalue here after what they did with Georgia, and I and really I think it's 
partly because of what Austin said, right? I mean, it's the guy that was near and dear to our hearts. Like, the, you know, Georgia's look, look bad up front. I don't know if it's their point. I've never known them to have a bad offensive line in my 31 years on earth, but they didn't look good up front against Arkansas, and I think Arkansas is getting a little bit of overvalue here. And and uh, I think that they uh, – I think that State rolls. I do. I, I think it's 30 no, – uh, 45 to 17. It, it seems like every game I've said somebody's going to roll. But I think State rolls here. I really wanted to like Arkansas, and in some ways, still do want to like Arkansas. I, I, I'm I'm trying to break my habit of backing terrible teams, and so I'm going to stay away from from the game. But I, I think Arkansas may be overvalued slightly, but I also think State's overvalued a little bit after the ass whipping against LSU. Um, here's one thing I know about Arkansas. They're not nearly as talented as LSU on defense. That's a given. But Barry Odom is not going to sit in man coverage and allow the mesh concept to be run to the tune of 650 yards or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 Arkansas is going to at least – they're going to be in the right places. Now, whether they make the, the tackles and make plays is a whole different question. Um, I, you got to think State's a little hungover after last week, right? Um, potential letdown here because they know Arkansas is a bad team. This is not a game that I think Arkansas ever threatens to win, but they played hard for Pittman last week. I expect them to get off the mat and play hard again. I feel like the back door is going to be open late. I don't want to bet on Felipe Franks to actually, you know, cover that back door, but I think they they have a shot. It's a stay away again for me. Y'all are probably right. State gets into the high 30s, low 40s. Can Arkansas get to 21, 24? I don't know. I guess we'll see. Could this be a game where KJ Jefferson rears his head and uh, maybe get you a backdoor cover? Um, the talented signal caller out of uh, Sardis, maybe, maybe he's the guy. He he came in a couple plays when uh, Frank's limped off the field briefly, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. This one's interesting. Arkansas has Raheem Boyd; he's a good running back, and then <clears throat> there's certainly talent at the receiver position, uh, Trey Burks, um, Trey Knox. I mean, they've got some talent. It's just a matter of can Felipe Franks give him the ball. And like Austin said, I don't know if I trust him to cover. So, uh, all right, let's turn our attention to the Rebels heading to Lexington to take on Kentucky. Again, I guess the theme of the show here is I, I'm, I'm trying to keep these brief because um, I've got some, some hot takes here. Um, I like this game for Ole Miss. Uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, the line is six and a half. First off, I like the Rebels to cover that. I think that the offense that we saw in week one was dynamic. It was explosive. It was aggressive. It had a purpose. Uh, we talked about it in our recap show uh, about how complex thoughts and uh, being uh, having a plan is uh, of just a novel idea that we haven't seen in Oxford in some time. Uh, they had a plan. They stuck to it. They stuck with what worked. They didn't really force anything. And I think that um, Lane Kiffin is familiar with what Eddie Grand does on offense. I don't really know what Terry Wilson's going to be able to to do against uh, this Ole Miss defense. I, I don't, and not that Ole Miss's defense is great. I just don't think he's going to be able to be a Kyle uh, Kyle Trask. Now Joey Gatewood was declared eligible. I don't know what kind of wrinkle that throws in the offense. I don't know how much. You know, he's really done in practice in the offense. I'm sure he's been running scout team and been taking second team reps. But, yeah, he's a big dude. But 
you know, he left Auburn for a reason. So I don't think that that automatically makes this game any different. I think Ole Miss has the players on offense to challenge this Kentucky defense. I think Kentucky's defense is solid. They're going to be fundamentally sound, but can they can they hang with Elijah Moore and Dontario Drummond and Jonathan Mingo vertically? Can they take away that part of the offense to force Jerry Neely, Snoop Connor, and the rest of the ground game to beat them? I don't think they can. I'm taking the Rebels out right here. I like this game on the road. Uh, I like Ole Miss's chances here to steal one. I think that the defense is going to make some adjustments improve week one to week two, which is where we see the biggest jump or the biggest fall. And uh, I like Ole Miss here. I, I don't think that makes me a homer at all. I think the matchup is is leaning Ole Miss's way. And uh, I like the Rebels. I do, I do too. I actually think that that Ole Miss is, is um, well, Nick said it on the last show, if Ole Miss and Florida played, a hundred times, Ole Miss would have what won thirty one what thirty seven times, something like that, close to forty times against Florida. And Kentucky is not Florida. I in in this game, I just expect I like the Rebels outright. I'll tell you, I just expect that um, uh, Matt Corral continues to play well. I don't know that Kentucky is going to be able to hang with Elijah Moore. I think Jonathan Mingo finally comes out of his shell. You know, Kenny Yaboa looks good. I think the defense can't play cannot play worse and is certainly not going to play a quarterback as good as Kyle Trask was and is not going to play a player in the rest of the year as good as Kyle uh, Pitts was. So um, give me Ole Miss uh, outright. I think that if the game is close, Ole Miss is winning it. Uh, I think that the only way, um, um, let me let me rephrase that. I think Ole Miss wins a close game, but if Ole Miss loses, that then Kentucky has run away with it. I don't think Kentucky's going to, drive down the field and beat Ole Miss on the last second and on like a two minute drive. So uh, give me Ole Miss. Yeah. Sorry. I, I was, I was muted. Uh, that was my one mute mm. of the day. Um, yeah, I don't think that this is, and I, this is almost a lock for me, but I almost feel cheap for locking Ole Miss. Like I would be stealing it from someone else. I, I think Ole Miss is going to win this game by anywhere from three to six points. I don't. I don't think, especially if you're getting seven points. I don't think that you have a ton of risk that we're going to lose it. I mean, you, you're right. They're not Florida, and I think Ole Miss is going to be coming out looking at the schedule, going, "Okay, we got Bama next week, so you know, let's, uh, let's give our all today and, and beat Kentucky on the road, get an early SEC road win." Uh, you got you come home and you got a, a free space basically against Alabama before getting Arkansas, and you know you want to win four or five or even six games this year. You, you got to have that game against Kentucky. I don't. They don't have anything offensively that scares me at all. I mean, I mean, just I went back and watched a little bit of that Auburn game. Um, I mean, they got playmakers, I guess, but nothing that I think that 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 is just going to torch Ole Miss like last week. If Ole Miss gets some good news here in the next you know seventy two hours and Otis Reese plays. I think that's a big a big factor. You're adding another guy to a defense last week that was kind of, you know, I mean, there were, there were holes in spots, and, and, and I think that that would be a big a big factor. But I think Ole Miss is going to cover this game, and I really, I really don't think it's going to be all that close from a cover standpoint. Yeah, I don't have any data to back this up, just just intuition. But it always feels like when Vegas hangs a six or six and a half out there. 
they're telling you a lot, right? They won't give you the touchdown. Um, I think that tells you where they're trying to draw the money, um, which is good for Ole Miss. I, I think they want the money to come in on Kentucky under that touchdown at home. So I like the Rebs too. And again, the only thing really keeping me from locking it is I don't want to give the kiss of death um, to uh, to Ole Miss. Look, Corral settled in nicely against Florida. He's a top five SEC quarterback at this point. And the difference between um, a win and certainly a cover for Kentucky against Auburn last week was quarterback play. Kentucky outgained Auburn. They outrushed. They outthrew Auburn. They controlled time of possession. But they turned the ball over three times. Terry Wilson is not a great quarterback. So I like Corral in the matchup. I think he's, I think we get, we have the better quarterback. I think we've got the better skill guys. Um, the trenches, they probably have a slight edge. But again, I think if we can get explosive plays against Florida, then we can hit them against Kentucky as well. Um, and I also, just to, I keep hearing a talking point that's out there about now that there's film on this Lane Kiffin offense, teams are going to handle us differently and Elijah Moore is going to be bracketed or whatever, as though teams didn't know about Elijah Moore until last week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Elijah Moore has been doing it at a high level for a minute. Uh, I don't care what Kentucky does to Elijah Moore. He's going to get his. I expect Drummond to do well, do uh, do pretty well as well. I like our, our tight ends. I think we're going to see some Henry Parrish in the mix. Um, again, I, I couldn't agree more with, with all of you. I think the Rebs went outright. I think the six is a gift. I'm not going to do it for, supersti- for superstitious reasons, though. You know, if a Kentucky fan listens to this, they're going to think, man, those dudes are homers. And if they listen to any other week, they would just hear us railing on our team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I'll do the kiss of death. Give me Ole Miss plus six and a half. I'll do go against superstition. I don't think it matters. I'm going to lock it in. Ooh. Ole Miss plus six and a half. I, matter of fact, to to prove that I'm not being superstitious about, give me Ole Miss, lock in Ole Miss money line, and let's count it as two picks. Ooh, okay. What? Would y'all be willing to do that? Do you want you want them both then, right? Yeah, that's fine. Can't, yeah. Can't, what do we are we good with that? All in favor? Well, no, 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 because the money line pick should be valued at, at six and a half. It should get at least a, a plus two twenty, right? So, or yeah, plus 260. <laughs> because it, what I'm saying, what my point is, is if you just said Ole Miss win and use it as two picks, otherwise I'll just take the points and we can just continue. But, yeah, um, I see what you're which saying. Is let, me, let, me, let, me get the, let me get the number for you here so that we've got an exact. Uh, it's going to be Ole Miss at plus 184. For the money so, line? Yeah, yeah, I see 185. Yeah. Okay, so the money line is just 184 because I've played six and a half point games are normally what 130 for the for the uh, the line the spread like 110 to 130. 184 seems low. I'm with you, Austin. Vegas is that's a sucker bet. They're trying to get people to play Kentucky. Yeah, it feels like they want Kentucky action. It does. It feels like mm-hmm. that. That's right. Yeah. That if they're if the money line is that low, so just give me the points. I'll take Ole Miss plus the points. But you know, every everybody listening to the show just know that I'm playing Ole Miss money line in real life. Okay. 
So yeah, that's a that's a, a an under the table lock. We'll just start calling it that. Yep. Under the table. So if you want to tail tail bin on the money line, go ahead because I do like that. Um, all right. That's for the Patreon subs, right? Only. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Patreon release. I was going to say, we could add, you know, I listen to the Locks podcast on CBS. We could add, if we want to do like a money line sprinkle, kind of a team that's maybe more than one, you know, plus 130, at least a, a three or four point underdog that you think is going to win, then that could be your money line sprinkle of the week. Yeah, I like it. All right. All right. So Ben has one lock. Nick has one. Austin has none. I have none. So let's jump in. Let's get our three locks a piece here. Let's make some more money for our loyal listeners, for everybody out there. I'll go ahead and jump in first here. They did they did me right last week. Did buy me right, I should say. Uh, the Baylor Bears covered the 17 against Kansas. They beat the brakes off of the Jayhawks. I'm going to ride the Baylor Bears again here. Dave Aranda and company, Charlie Brewer, uh, Gary Bohannon, John Lovett. I love the offense, and I'm only getting three? I can lay three, baby. Baylor taking on West Virginia. I don't care if it's in Morgantown. It's not going to be rowdy. Country Roads isn't going to slap the same without a full crowd. I think Baylor goes into Morgantown takes on Neil Brown and the Mountaineers, and easily covers three. Um, the number is not huge. I think that Charlie Brewer could easily take the top off the defense one last time and cover that. Um, I like it. I'm locking it in. Baylor minus three against the Mountaineers. Yeah, I like it. I, Austin, like it. I say, Austin, you, you go ahead and throw us one since you haven't gotten one on the board yet. All right, let's go with North Carolina minus 13 and a half against Boston College. Boston College is 2 and 0 and it's the least impressive 2 and 0 in the country. Um they got really lucky against Duke in week 1. Duke kind of turned the ball over, looked sloppy. Um really ill-prepared unlike usually uh, what you see out of Cutcliffe, but week 2 BC barely survives against Texas State. I think North Carolina is the second best team in the ACC. Um, they've had a COVID-related bye week to get ready for this one. You, you got to think BC feels pretty good about the 2-0 start. This is not one that they ever expected to get in the preseason. I think this is one where you have a sort of a natural letdown. UNC needs to handle business. They need to continue to impress. Uh, our boy Phil Longo seems to have figured some things out there. Uh, I think the Tar Heels cruise, let's call it 45-17 UNC. Oh, you know Lil uh, Fongo's going to light it up. Uh, well, also, what if I offered you minus 13 and a half at the station's sports book? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. I don't think it matters. I hope it doesn't matter, but let's do it. Yeah, if you get that hook, anytime you see it, you go ahead and grab it. Sure. All right, Nick. Since you're, since you're uh, carrying okay. on about hooks, let's go ahead and get your second lock. Yeah, yeah, you want to talk about hooks here. I, I'm, I actually did need the hook because this was two and a half on one book and, and three on most of the other books. I'm trying to find it here. Um, Southern Miss, Southern Methodist is what it's listed as. Uh, at a number of books, it's minus two and a half uh, for Memphis over over SMU. I, I, I see it at Circus Sports at three, so I'm going to go ahead and lock in three. Uh, Southern Miss getting three points against Memphis. I, I, I just don't think uh, Kenny Gainwell's still not playing. 
Memphis has only played one game thus far this season and had a ton of guys out in COVID protocol. So I don't know how much practice they've gotten. Uh, SMU has played a couple games. I, I just trust SMU more. The games in Dallas and, and I or wherever, University Park, where SMU is, I just don't necessarily think that, that Memphis is going to be all that great this year. If you're giving me three points um, at home, albeit a, a, home, a small home field advantage, I'm going to go ahead and take those points and lock in SMU. Right. I love that one. I like that, that would have been a money line. That would have been a money line sprinkle for me, Nick. All right, Ben, let's go ahead and get another one on the board for you as well, as you are vying for getting over the 500 mark this week. What you got? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit against the grain here. Well, for me, I'm gonna take Virginia Tech minus ten and a half at Duke. Love oh, it. I like it. I like it. Yeah, uh, Duke is terrible they got what they lost mm-hmm. by 18 to a bad virginia team they got beat by 20 against boston college i still think they might be getting a little bit of credit here because they got beat by two touchdowns against notre dame in week one i it truly they've not kept a score within 10 and a half i think virginia tech is every bit as good as who they played thus far other than you know sans notre dame duke is just not good man and and frankly i think if this were a road game they'd you know, they'd be more like 16 and a half point underdogs. So um, give me Virginia Tech. I, I think I think the Hokies, man, I think they win this one more like three touchdowns. I think this is free money at 10 and a half. Love it. I would have liked it if you hadn't. Um, Duke is just bad, man. It's weird. They, they don't look like a Cutcliffe team. Uh, and Virginia Tech last week rolled down like they had. 15 or 20 dudes out with COVID. Their defensive coordinator wasn't even there due to COVID, and they still rolled. And that's that's a defensive coordinator that wasn't there who's in his first year now that mm-hmm. um, the Bud dude, Foster, yeah. Bud Foster, mm-hmm. 33 years, he's no longer there. So that's, yeah, it's impressive. All right, Austin, you got another one? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with North Texas laying an, an unbelievably short number against Southern Miss. Uh, I think it's minus one, minus one and a half. Uh, Southern Miss has quit. Okay, their season is over. It, they're they're a dumpster fire. They have no interest. Yeah, it's done. I'm canceling Southern Miss. Uh, North Texas, the one thing that gives me pause, they've had some COVID issues. I think they had to cancel last week and apparently this week. And in uh, their presser, their coach said they're still struggling with a few guys out, but. I don't think it matters. Look, they they put up points. They go fun and gun out there. If they score 35, they're winning and covering. So uh, give me the main green. This line seemed – that seemed too good to be true for me. I mean, I I, I think it is. I just – I thought North Texas would have been a bigger favorite, uh, especially at home, um, which I – basically they're – you know, Vegas is saying that that game's a pick them in a neutral site, and I just don't see that. Yeah, I don't either. All right, Zach, you, are you up? This is your second one? Yeah, I can I can dive in here. Um, trying to decide between a couple that I really like. There, there, There's some weird lines this week that just are really tantalizing. I think that I'm going to settle on Texas minus 12 against the Horn Frogs. It's in Austin. Uh, I know TCU has had a ton of success against the Longhorns past couple times they've played. I think that they've beaten them 
something crazy like six out of the last eight maybe um i don't think it's gonna happen i don't see it uh, max duggan is okay but i think this texas team is kind of on a mission i i, I don't know if tom herman is quite there yet but I think that Sam Ellinger and the rest of that offense is going to really, really put up a bunch of points. TCU is just kind of okay. I think this could be a, uh, a body blow week after losing a really tough game against Iowa State with a last-second field goal. Maybe the Cyclones beat them twice here. I like Texas minus 12. The over-under is 63. I wouldn't touch that total. I think that that's a little on the fence there because it could be kind of a shootout and then Texas covers late. Nevertheless, I like the Longhorns to cover the 12. So, Horns, hook them, minus 12. Ben, we're going to move on to you for your final lock. Oh, wow. Um, So, I'm trying to find it so I can – I've got it in front of me. Hang on just one second. If, if I need to step up to the plate here, I've got one, Ben. If you, Go ahead. If Go you ahead. I, oh, I got, I, got I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. So, last week, Kansas State pulled a Bill Snyder when they went to Oklahoma and beat Oklahoma by three. Uh, everyone's favorite QB1, uh, Spencer, uh, what's that, Rattler? He, yeah. uh, um, you know, just – had some growing pains there because of that. I think Oklahoma is being a little bit undervalued here on the road at Iowa state. They're, they're laying seven points. I'm taking another road favorite here at minus seven. Yeah. I like um, that. Uh, Oklahoma minus seven at Iowa state, Iowa state got beat by Louisiana at home in week one. And frankly looked like the worst team. It wasn't just losing to Louisiana by some fluke, occurrence louisiana was better uh, they matched up physically with I- iowa state and there are only a couple of teams in that conference that recruit to the level of the sec oklahoma and and texas oklahoma state a little bit but mostly just oklahoma and texas iowa state recruits apparently on the level of the Sun Belt, so or whatever <laughs> louisiana is now so uh, to me oklahoma has we talked about it nikki missed it earlier Oklahoma recruits a different kind of player than Iowa State. There might be two guys on Iowa State's entire roster, without me looking at it, that had offers from Oklahoma. Uh, otherwise, they would have gone to Oklahoma. and Because um, nobody's going to Iowa City or Ames, Ames, I guess. So, for me, give me give me the Sooners, Boomer Sooner. I, I, think Ole, or Ole Miss, I think Oklahoma wins, you know, by two touchdowns going away. Like that. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Put some respect on Ames' name, by the way. Um, <laughs> well, that tells you right there City. how unimportant they are. <laughs> All right, um, this is my last my last one. I, I just I see uh, Service Academy unders, and I bet Service Academy unders. God, Nick. Uh, I <laughs> I knew I had to get it get this last one in before you did because I just had I had a feel. Did you have? Is this your, was this your last pick? Yeah, but I, I got another one, so go. You, okay, you got okay. Uh, good, because I, I did not have another one. That is a fact. Uh, but I do like this one a lot. I saved the best for last. It doesn't matter what the number is. It could be 27. I'd probably still go under. <laughs> but I, I'll just tell you, the last game, Navy played Tulane. Uh, they were down 24-7 to in the first half. 
They came back. It might have been 24 to nothing. They came back and won 27-24. That's 51. Uh, the spread on Saturday is minus seven. Uh, Navy minus seven at Air Force. Air Force's first game and only one of two. The other game is against Army at Army. Uh, spread seven and the over-under is 46 and a half. That's Vegas telling me that they think it's going to be 27 to 20, essentially. So they played a, a, a two-lane team that had a you know a, a game before that. It was at home. It was 27-24, and they're telling me 27-20 this week. I don't know. I don't see it. Air Force is not scoring 20 points this week. Not in their first game of the season. I, I mean, they've been playing against themselves for too long in, in preseason. This is one of only two games. The lows in Fort Collins, excuse me, the lows in, I guess it's Colorado Springs. You're supposed to dip into the 30s on Saturday night. It's going to be a little awesome. windy. I think it's going to be a cold, brutal, ugly game. We're looking at like 21-13, easy under. Yeah, love it. Almost an auto bet. Academy ball in the high 40s, yeah, you go under. All right, Austin, you got one more and I got one more. Let's, uh, let's carry us home here. Yeah, let's get weird. Let's get weird. What's the Jacksonville State, Florida State number? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. I'm not even sure that that's on here. I might have to go to the secondary book for that one. Let me Jackson. Let me Jacksonville State and Florida. I see State. twenty-seven. I see twenty-seven. I got I got twenty-six and a half. I got twenty-six and a half. Okay, a we'll go. Number. We'll go twenty-six and a half. Give me the Fighting Gamecocks of Jacksonville <laughs> State plus twenty-six and a half. Shout out to my my buddy Jack, a Florida State guy. He said it best. I don't know that Florida State can score twenty-seven points. So, give me Jacksonville State plus twenty six and a half. I love that. That is, man. That's that's just that really hits home. That's good to my soul there. Um, all right, I've been kicking around a couple here. I think, and I've had a lot of time to think about it. So, please bear with me here because there are a couple that I like. I'm leaning towards. I'm going to do it. Okay. Yeah, we'll do it. Okay. We're going to go South Florida, Cincinnati, under 47. I think that Luke Fickle and company, look, he's got a nice little machine rolling there in the Queen City uh, in the American Conference. They, They play his brand of football, and they play good defense. They're tough. Um, I like them against the Bulls. I mean, the Bulls have just not been the same. Um, it's, it's been a minute since Quentin Flowers was there. That's the last time I felt that they were even remotely competitive. Uh, I like the Bearcats here. I like the under. The line is too big for me. I got Cincinnati minus 22. I don't hate that, but I'd rather take the under here, under 47. So Bulls, Bearcats, under 47. In Cincinnati, I like that one. So I think that uh, I think that takes us home there, fellas. We got quite give, a bit here. Give y'all one to grow on. I think Liberty uh, beats UNA by more than thirty. Go Lions, <laughs> oh, yeah. but but Liberty's gonna they're just gonna flat out class them. I think Free signed a four star at Liberty and UNA. I mean, I played high school ball with kids that go to UNA like that. It, yeah. Yeah, That's the four the four that. star that Free signed has since transferred, but point still stands. He did sign it. Sign yeah, and, 
uh, but he's just they've been signing a different caliber player than UNA has. So yeah, yeah. Is this this is UNA's first year, right? In FBS. Uh, yes, I believe. So. I want to yeah. say. It might I want to say second. last played, year was okay. Maybe I don't know year. that they played football last year. Uh, Nick would know more than me, but I was thinking they played all other sports but football. Okay. No, they definitely that that that's very possible. I do know that last year they were in Division One because they got their first season ruined by COVID in in, in baseball and and um they moved to a different conference in baseball and and all their other sports, baseball, basketball, and stuff. So whether or not baseball. they. Well, that's true, and that was back when I, I believe this was their second season. And I'm I'm pulling it up here. They were in the Big South last year. They went okay. four and seven. Did not play any official conference games. Um, they beat Presbyterian, Western Illinois, Campbell, and Gardner Webb. All right, nice. Freeze will roll them, dude. Like you know, y'all know how he does. He takes those things that are way worse. Yeah, that's where he makes his money. He's, it's like a Mike Leach deal. Yep. All right. So, run through it real quick. The LGC, 12 locks for you this week. Baylor, minus 3. Texas, minus 12. South Florida, Cincinnati, under 47. Ole Miss, plus 6.5. Virginia Tech, minus 10.5. Oklahoma, minus 7. Auburn, plus 6.5. Southern, or, <laughs> Southern. Uh, well, yeah, Southern Methodist, uh, plus 3. SMU, plus 3. Air Force, Navy, under 48. North Carolina, minus 13.5. North Texas Mean Green minus one and a half, and then Jacksonville State Gamecocks. If you can get it, do it. If you bad, plus twenty six and a half. Seems like a good week, fellas. I'm feeling good. Six and six last week. We had a couple bad beats. Feeling a good one this week. It feels like college football once again, and I'm just ecstatic to be back here gambling like idiots with y'all. Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite time of year. All right, so that is going to do it for the Legal Gambling Council. Thanks for hanging in with us. Bit of a lengthy episode, but we had a lot to get to. A lot of SEC games. Going to be a fun week. Uh, weekend, I should say. Rebels traveling to Lexington. Afternoon slate is packed. I like it. Night games aren't bad. Gentlemen, as always, it's been a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, let's make some more money. Can't wait. Nick is is more excited than me. Uh, for, for Austin, for Ben, and, and, and for Nick over there who has taken his pants off that he's so lit. I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. Good luck. Tell us. Make some money. We out.